0: Before we start, here's a message from one of our friends.
1: Hi, I'm Alison Shelton, writer and creator of the indie comic ReBurn. You may have heard about us on Indie Comics Spotlight, thanks to Tony and Ria. ReBurn follows May, a super-powered woman who takes on the cult-like utopian society that ripped her life apart. Our comic picks up when she's ready to burn it all down. We're incredibly proud of our all-female team, myself Artist Elise McCall, editor Jessica Patel, colorist Hillary Jenkins, and letterer Joe Matt Gill. Renowned comic writer and artist Carrie Andrews said of Reburn, "It's an impressive debut, a violent, visceral, and emotion-fueled spectacle. A story you need to read right now. We agree. And we have hard copies and digital copies of issues one through four available on our website, ReburnComic.com. That's R-E-B-U-R-N Comic." Check it
0: out. Welcome to the show where people share their passions. Everyone's geek about something. I'm your super dummy born on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. Remember, you can sign up to the newsletter at pccnewsletter.com where you can get updates on this show and lots of other amazing independent creators. Speaking of creators, let's hear from today's.
2: Hello, I'm Norman Shurtleff. I'm the creator of Skullcat and the Curious Castle. I'm currently living in Idaho, but I am... uh, from Northern British Columbia, Canada, um, and that's about it.
0: Awesome! Yeah, you are living the dream because um, you've got a few books to your name now as well. It's not just this one. So you are, you are living the dream many people wish they could live.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's the dream that I've always had too. So uh, it is kind of a special time for me. As well,
0: because the the release was only it wasn't that long ago, was it?
2: It's was yesterday.
0: yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. Awesome. Yeah. How's it going? Uh,
2: it, well, it went great, I guess. Um, I still haven't got my copy yet. Uh, oh, really? so <laughs> I've got friends and family that are posting pictures of the book and, and reading it, and I'm like, oh no, where's my <laughs> copy? Coffee? My is supposed to be here tomorrow, so oh, awesome. I get to join them uh,
0: pretty soon. Brilliant. Oh, that must be so exciting when you first open it and you get your, your copy of it. That must be a really exciting moment.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like you said, I've got a couple of books out. Uh, this is my first, Skullcad is my first graphic novel. Um, so I haven't opened a box of graphic novels yet, but I do have a couple of books and each time one comes, it's pretty exciting to see your own work on paper uh, and you know read it in person. Um, it's pretty nice. It's been a, like maybe six months since I've finished working on Skullcat at all. So oh, well. uh, it'll be fun seeing it for the first time as well for like six months. Looking forward to that moment.
0: Yeah, there must be sort of a a strange thing because it's been so long that it's almost not in your mind anymore. And then suddenly it's released and back out into the world and it's back in the forefront of your mind and your probably stressing about how much it sells and do people (laughs) like it and all these things that you put at the back of your mind
2: yeah Yeah, of course right yeah for sure uh i'm writing the sequel right now and uh there's been a few times where i'm like i wish this was just on paper so i could pick up the book and flip to a page (laughs) and like refer to it without like having to search through my like computer document you know yeah Uh, um so that'll be kind of nice but yeah awesome
0: We'll circle background um, to Skullcap, but I sort of, like I said, I kind of like to get an idea of, you know, people's background as well and who they are outside of all this. So how would you describe yourself outside of this work as well? Who are you outside of it?
2: Sure. Uh, I wanted to include uh, Canada in my introduction just because um, I grew up in Canada and uh, I love, that's like my home And I I grew up in like a really small town of like maybe under a hundred, uh, under a thousand people. Uh, so really small, small community. I knew everybody in town and, uh, you know, that's a huge part of my heritage and my life. Um, I want to be considered a Canadian, even though I'm living in the United States now. Uh, I married an American and we moved here. My wife is from Alaska. Uh, which sounds close to Canada, but uh, I had to, like, I couldn't go directly to Anchorage to, we, we uh, dated online long distance for a year. And to visit her, I had to fly down to Seattle and then back up to Alaska. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was actually like a bigger deal than it might sound uh, <laughs> saying that I'm from Canada and she's from Alaska. Cause yeah, but then we, we decided to move to Idaho to be closer to, um, kind of family for both of us, and then uh, now uh, we've been married for ten years. We have four kids, uh, ages eight and under, and uh, they're they're a lot of fun. Uh, being a dad is great; it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Just yeah, we we play a lot. Uh, my kids love to draw, which is fun for me. Mm. I get to teach them how to draw, and uh, you know, you know, work with them on the kitchen table while they're doing their projects and i'm doing mine um that's really fun and uh we love uh, we live in twin falls idaho which is uh right on the canyon of the snake river and so uh i don't know it's a really cool uh spot to go exploring and so we get our kids out we go hiking and stuff along the canyon which is a lot of fun oh wow awesome um so we try and do things outdoors, do things inside. Yeah. We're kind of trying to do a bit of both. Comics is a big part of my life. Like I'm doing that, um, as a, as a job right now. Mm. Um, but I like, uh, like doing other things, uh, video games. I don't know. I draw for a hobby as well, I guess. So, oh, wow. so maybe comics is a bigger deal, uh, that I'm trying to make it sound, but yeah, family, family life is a big deal. I, I kind of, uh, our kids kind of dictate Hmm. my wife and I, our hobbies and what we spend our time doing, you know, because they've got their own hobbies and interests. So I try and encourage them as much as we can to explore what they want to do.
0: Yeah. Especially for kids at that sort of age, that's kind of the age they're exploring everything, aren't they?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've got kids in soccer and dance and tumbling, (laughs) uh, like, we're doing ON oh, theater, like, we're doing all kinds of stuff. Wow. So, our kids are pretty well rounded and they definitely uh, keep us busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> you must be one of those families. Yeah. Every evening is a different, like, run to a different club or a different event or.
2: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, we have uh, multiple kids going to the same studios um, and events. So, Uh, They're not old enough where like we've got one kid, one evening, one kid, the other evening. Mm. Um, So I'm sure when they're teenagers, that's going to take up a lot more time. But uh, right now they're in the same kind of age group. So they can kind of, we don't have to shuttle them around to near as many places. Yeah. But our evenings are definitely packed for sure.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Blimey. must be hard to sort of find time for your own, Kind of exploring your own hobbies and interests, like you said, you've got a few there, but it must be hard sometimes to kind of explore them.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I've I re- realized um, drawing skullcat that uh, um, my turn my time for like exploring the art I want to create is kind of past. You know, because now I have to um, now that I've created skullcat in a certain style, mm-hmm. um, I'm s- kind of stuck in that style. You know for the most part. Um, and and I just don't have time to, like, really explore. Um, I watch... Uh, I follow Kyle Webster on Twitter, and he's been posting all his new brushes uh, for Photoshop and stuff that he creates. And I'm like, wow, these are so cool, but I don't, I don't have time to test them out. And, like, how can I use this in my own artwork? Yeah. Um, you know, because I just don't have the time to, like, explore it. I'm kind of... My time... To do art is spent uh, creating Skullcat in a certain style that's that I've already created, you know.
0: So is that something that you think maybe in the future, like as you say, as your kids get older, they start doing different things, you get more of your own time back. Do you see sort of a, a time in your future where maybe you explore different styles again?
2: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> that'd be fun. Um, and I'm, I'm like it's it's fun. Like I love drawing Skullcat in the style that I'm doing it in. Um, yeah. I do have other, other story ideas that I don't think the style necessarily fits in. Um, and so, um, I would like time to like explore, like, how do I tell this story in something different hmm. right now? It's just not the time. <laughs>
0: Cause yeah, you, this is entirely your creation because you, you write and you do the art and you do everything for it. Don't you?
2: Yes, I do. Yep. Yep. Um, so I yeah I write it I draw it and then I also color it. Wow. Uh, so um, I know like some creators like can hire a colorist to color, and I, I might do that down the road. Um, but this first book uh, I've, it's one hundred percent me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one reason why I would consider hiring a colorist is just to finish books faster. Uh, skullcat took me like a year um to do everything so um it's a lot of work <laughs> and uh maybe sometimes people don't quite understand what's involved or how long it takes
0: a lot of times that is sort of, that is the work of three people you have i mean four yeah. people really you've got the writer you've got i mean possibly even more you could have the writer you could have someone doing the lines you could have someone doing the inking then someone doing the coloring then someone doing the words
2: yeah, I guess that's another good point. I, I also lettered it too. So yeah, um, I guess that's another hat I put on. For me, like I love doing a book all all by myself because a a lot of it I feel like feeds each other. So like, uh, um, my process is I I do a rough layout and a rough drawing for the page. And then I take that into illustrator and I draw the panels and I place the words on, on top of my roughs.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and then I'd go and I draw the lines, but um, because I'm doing the lettering and the line work myself, I can go back and forth between the letters and the lines and kind of adjust things to make sure everything fits uh, in a relationship that I, you know, design myself. Right. Which is, which is, Fun and it so I, to me, like when I create a finished page, like the page is artwork with the words, the bubbles, or the balloons, um, the lines and the color, it's all and it's all an art piece, mm. you know, designed together. Um, at least that's how I look at it, um, as an artist doing all of it at the same time,
0: but. yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the times, I guess, while well, I've spoken to people in the past. There's almost, you almost have after conversation as it gets further down the line of people having to almost give up bits that they've put in to allow the space for other people. But you can create that right from the start. You know, panel by panel, what's the most important bits of each panel and what you can sort of move here and there.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, like letterers complain about artists not giving them enough space you know to do their job yeah. um, but you know like for me I'm it's a uh, I'm pushing back and forth between the artwork and the the letters um, you know creating a you know a an artwork or a page that works together with all of that um, so it's art and like the pictures and words you know working together and I, I enjoy that like back and forth, the push and pull, which is one reason why I like doing it all by myself.
0: Yeah. It does come across in, in the end result, because you can see that everything just fits. It's that weird feeling that sometimes when you look at a comic book, you're reading it, you're enjoying it, but you can see that sometimes there isn't just, it doesn't just fit. You can't really put your finger on it, but there's something not quite there, <laughs> but, but with this yeah, sure. everything just everything just flows and everything is where it's meant to be. It's kind of that comfortable feeling and you're not quite sure why you've got it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, there are parts, uh, where my editor, uh, asked me to, you know, add to the story, add to the words, uh, and add like dialogue and stuff. And, uh, a couple of times I had to redraw the panel, um, to accommodate, uh, the changes. And, uh, so, like just as an example of like um, working back and forth between the words and the pictures I took the extra time to like delete what I had and redraw it and reletter it mm. to make changes for you know a, a better finished product
0: shows it's a, a real labor of love for you this is something that means a lot to you
2: yeah mm-hmm, for sure Uh skullcat's also given me like uh, the character Scully, uh, who's Skullcat he uh he's a comic fan like he reads comics in the book and having that aspect as part of the character has kind of made um, yeah made it possible for Skullcat to be like a a a love letter to comics for me mm-hmm. um because I can uh I'm not just telling Scully's story there's also the um, the hero that the hero of the comic books that he reads. Um, I'm also telling his story too at the same time. Mm. And uh, at the back of my book, I have like some you know uh, tributes to some of my favorite comics. Um, so I drew like some of the that Catheros character in the style of some of my own favorite comic books. And uh, so that, that was a lot of fun being able to uh, emulate some of my favorite comic book artists and, um, you know, throw in some nods to some real world comics.
0: So, yeah, let's get into that then. Um, do you remember your sort of first experience with geek culture or something that really you really <laughs> geeked out about? Do you remember what that moment was for you?
2: Yeah, I've been pondering that ever since we like um, talked about doing this podcast. I've been pondering what that moment was. And uh, so I grew up in this small town of a thousand people and Mm. all we had in town was a a gas station. And I do remember riding my bike with friends to the gas station to look at comics because they had like a little magazine section and uh, they had a few comics there. And I always went to the gas station uh, hoping for a new issue of the Ninja Turtle Adventures Uh, which is the the comic series based on the like the old 80s and 90s cartoon. Um, So I think that was my first introduction to comics. And I I picked up like some Marvel stuff there as well. Uh, I think the first like comic series I really got into uh, was Maximum Carnage, the Mm -hmm. Spider-Man storyline in the early 90s. I'm, I'm pretty sure I picked up some of those issues at that gas station, um, along with Ninja Turtles. And then, uh, I actually had to ride a bus into the city, uh, to go to junior high. And I made some new friends that were much more comic cultured than I was. Uh, they introduced me to like an actual comic book store. And, uh, I learned that like Ninja Turtles was actually based on a different comic book series. And uh, that kind of blew my mind. That you know, I, I'm reading a comic book based on a cartoon, based on a different comic book series. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of a fun moment. And from there, I got introduced to like all the '90s greats, um, like Mad Men. And my favorite comic that I think kind of really got me interested in in comic books um, it was Scud, the Disposable Assassin. By Rob oh, wow. Um
0: yeah.
2: the the characters in that were just so zany and um, unlike anything else, um, and that that just uh, triggered my fourteen year old brain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just how wacky and crazy it was.
0: That's quite a quite a mixture. I mean, what do you think was it that kind of attracted you to them?
2: I think I've always been like a visual learner. Um, and like, I've always been interested in art. I'm not sure what birthday this was, but one of my uncles gave me the, the entire, like, uh, 93, uh, Marvel card set. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I would copy those cards. i um, I draw the cards and, uh, that's sort of like one of the ways I learned how to draw back in the day. Yeah. I just, I just loved those character designs and um, I don't know, the classic good guy versus bad guy uh, setup, um, But comics in general, like, especially nowadays, I have appreciation for comics as a storytelling medium because, um, you know, one, one creator has the ability to tell their story. And as a comic creator that does that myself, I can appreciate how much time that takes. Mm. Um, but uh, I love comics for that ab- ability to like to draw a story um, visually and and tell a story visually. Um, and I, I think uh, that's a lot harder to do in other visual mediums like video games or you mm-hmm. know film, um, because like you can you can do those by yourself, and lots of people have done that successfully, but. I think it's just a lot more difficult. Um, I think uh, comics really allows a creator to shine and um, tell their story. uh, I I, I wanna say easily, but uh, it's not, it's definitely not easy, (laughs) but- Relatively. uh, It's, it's, yeah, it's it's a simplified uh, storytelling, you know, method. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even simplified it doesn't do it justice, <laughs> I guess, but, uh, yeah, it, you can tell a beautiful story, uh, you know, by yourself and, and I love other comics that are made by a team of creators. I'm not trying to belittle, um, those books e- either, but, um, there's just something about reading a, a story that's written and illustrated by the same person. Uh, like, I love a lot of manga, like Japanese comics. Oh, yeah. um, you know, there are a lot of uh, mangas written written and illustrated by the same person. And then they have, like, assistants and teams that help them, support them. Um, but then, like, even, like, Dogman is wildly successful um, and mostly uh, written and drawn by the same person, uh, Dev Pilkey. Um, and that's, like... Um, Epic uh, comic book storytelling nowadays. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And I've been drawing comics like my whole life, like being like a young, I don't know, ten year old or whatever, reading Ninja Turtles. Like, there's something about comics that's very inspiring, um, and and motive. Like, I don't know, inspiring and motivates you to create. Uh, there's just a magic there that, um, I don't know. I almost want to say you can't find it anywhere else, but I've been inspired and motivated by other mediums too. But um, the spirit of comics is pretty special. Yeah. So
0: it's interesting. You immediately mean, from the start you were interested in doing this yourself. You were imitating it and kind of exploring your own ideas.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I think like I, I drew a lot. Like I already talked about the Marvel Marvel mm. cards collecting uh ninja trail comics you know i i tried to draw all that stuff um i remember in uh, grade four uh one of my friends had a calvin and Hobbes book and i remember that like blowing my mind uh and especially realizing that that was a newspaper comic like i hadn't paid attention to newspapers before learning that calvin Hobbes was in newspapers right And then I'd go looking for that in newspapers. Um, But somewhere along the line, I learned that uh, Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin Hobbes, he carried around a notebook and, uh, you know, throughout the day, jotted down ideas for comics, comic strips. And I remember being pretty young, hearing about that and being like, wow, I need to do that. And uh, I started carrying around a notebook at a young age, um, writing down comic strip ideas and uh i don't know uh i'm not sure if any other medium would have inspired me to do something like that
0: Hmm. is that something you still Um, do
2: oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh nowadays i have a the brand is sketch wallet oh yeah i carry around a, a sketch wallet uh in my back pocket and i jot down comic strip ideas um i have a number like of Finished notebooks in my desk. Oh wow! Uh, so I go through like one or two of these a year, um, just full of comic strip ideas. That's um, incredible. So, so yeah. In addition to Skullcat, I also draw like a a comic strip uh, of jokes of like my family, funny experiences that my family does. Um, yeah. So very much inspired by my kids mm. and the hilarity that ensues with just their like. <laughs> um you know thinking that they are so smart and so uh experienced but you know the i don't know the the hilarity that comes from their naivety mm. i guess um thinking they're so smart but not really realizing what they've just said or whatever That's yeah funny. great times but yeah so I, I still carry around a notebook uh And I I still have my notebooks from when I was like a teenager. Um, I had a, my, uh, my dad owned a landscaping business. And so I, as a teenager, rode around a riding Laudmore and I would just dream up comic strip ideas all day long (laughs) while I'm working. And I would sketch down little ideas in my notebook and I've, I've still got those in a box somewhere, but
0: it's a long tradition to go into your museum one day when you're rich and famous. (laughs)
2: yeah right (laughs) yeah
0: uh i mean that's pretty incredible as you say there's not many there's not many mediums that could inspire you to do that and you can't sit and write a movie script every day
2: yeah um i'm sure there's people that do well Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) you know um it's just not uh, I, i feel like um I don't know, to me, uh, there's an aspect of comics that are meant for kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you when you give a child a comic book that was meant for their age, uh, I think um, there's a, a real strong power there that ins- that can inspire them. And I, I've seen that acting on my kids too. Um, they'll gobble up a Dogman comic, you know, um, in an hour, and, and then go and draw their own Dogman comic, you know? And, and that's, that's just, it's incredible to, to witness and incredible to, to experience. You know, like it's, I don't know, uh, something that speaks to the uh, maybe a primitive side of ourselves. And you just go grab a piece of paper and a pencil, as primitive as that is, and, you know, draw your story or, you know, draw your little comic strip and uh you've made comics you know and i and it's not as easy with other mediums with film you've got to like go and grab a camera uh you know and and record something um which you can do uh but you know that and video games require batteries you know (laughs) like so if, (laughs) if your camera's not charged then you've uh you know you you can't roll with that inspiration but there's always something you can draw on, you know, and kids uh, mm. much to their parents' chagrin can draw on a wall if they're <laughs> so inspired to do, you
0: know? Yeah, that's true. Cause people say like, and it's true, like you said, you know, you can just pick up a camera now and our phones are so technologically oh, sure. advanced yeah. that we can do it. But as you say, it's still as easy as they make it. It's still not as easy as just, picking up a bit of graphite and drawing on a wall.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like the caveman did. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. Like there was a time when I tried transitioning from uh, like a notebook and um, a little period where I I was like, you know, what, what if like I'm drawing my comics on an iPad, why don't Mm. I just do my note taking on an iPad? And then I've got it all in one place. You know, my, my note keeping on an iPad would turn into my rough draft. And then, you know, I've, I've skipped a step, right. I don't mm. have to like write in a notebook, but I discovered that like, it's not as easy to pick up an iPad um, just on the fly and, you know, open up an app and jot down an idea. Um, especially if like your device or your Apple pencil isn't charged, you know, like you, you could use your finger. Right. So you know, that, that aspect could be easy, but I actually found it easier to just, you know, pull out the sketchbook from my back pocket. Um, and I had like a little pen right there with it um, or a pencil. I just found that like way easier uh, mm. somehow. Um, and like you said, they, they make it so convenient to have like a camera or a drawing app on our phone. But um, for some reason, it's just not as easy as paper and pencil.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I've I keep telling myself I need to make more notes just in general in life because A, Mm -hmm. I forget a lot of things, and B, as you say, it's just (laughs) it just keeps that creative mind going. Um, Yeah. And so yeah, I've now carry around um, a a little notebook in my pocket, and I use a hair tie just Mm -hmm. to strap a pen to it, and
2: yeah, (laughs) just in case.
0: I'm still not great at taking notes, but I'm getting better.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but it is. It's still
0: easier. I could at any point just pick up my phone, but I don't. It's just something about it. I just don't do it.
2: Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. Um, there's just some sort of mental disconnect that something blocking uh, that note-taking experience for me, anyways. Mm. It's just way more natural to do it on a small piece of paper. So, uh, skull cap.
0: Where did yeah. the uh, Where did the inspiration come from? The
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, um, It's definitely a a story and an idea that's uh, developed over time. Um, But also part of it came out of a necessity. Um, uh, Back in like 2019, 2020, um, I had kind of wrapped up uh, like my, my amazing scriptures book. Was published in twenty eighteen, and I had just finished a couple like illustration contracts. Um, but I, and I was trying to figure out like what's my next big uh, project, and uh, the the work I had done previously were um, kind of a religious Christian in nature, and I I wanted something that would kind of reach a larger audience, mm-hmm. kind of have wider appeal. And, uh, so I, you know, I kind of sat down and tried to think of, you know, what that idea might be. And, uh, I just sort of like stumbled upon an idea of a, like a, Oh, well, I wanted a cat for a character, um, partly because I wanted, uh, uh, humans are difficult to draw, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted like, I wanted to simplify the process for myself just by having a non-human character. And I felt like cats were, uh, you know, there's a cuddly, cute aspect that makes it appealing. Hmm. Um, But also, like, having a non-human character, I feel, lets people relate to that character easier. There's something about, the like, this uh, iconic, like, the symbolic character is easier to, like, relate to rather than a realistic character. Um so i wanted I wanted people to relate to my character and so I, I chose a cat. Um, and uh, I don't know it kind of evolved from that point on and I, I mentioned the like the the necessity mm. uh, there's that necessity aspect was I needed a project that would have wider appeal. Um, and uh, I kind of uh, I felt like my previous art style was pretty cartoony. Um, But uh, I simplified it a lot uh, for Skullcat, um, and I'm using, like, flat colors um, Mm. to simplify it. Um, And uh, I was sort of, like, creating the style at the same time, but um, I needed it to be simple, um, yet beautiful, so it's attractive. And um, so I I grew up as a, like, I, I grew up riding lawnmowers and being a landscaper. And I uh, went to university for horticulture, so right. uh, greenhouse plant production is uh, was my first bachelor's degree. <laughs> um, and I wanted I wanted that part of myself to, uh, you know, I wanted to add that to this to, to the story. And so, Skullcat became a, a gardener, and uh, I felt like um, horror. Uh, and like haunted castles was was kind of a fun. I don't know if antithesis, antithesis, antithesis is the right word, <laughs> or like, uh, like polar opposite. I felt like that was a fun polar opposite to mm-hmm. like gardening and flowers and stuff. So, so I rolled with that, and uh, yeah, skull cat kind of came out of that. the The ghost cat in in the story was sort of his first antagonist Mm. Um, and then uh, I added the vampire afterwards as sort of um, you know I felt I don't know maybe I felt like a ghost haunting a castle wasn't enough there needed to be like a stronger climax like something something bigger hiding in the basement Mm. that Scully uh, discovers and uh, so he came in after but it's a, it's a story for kids. Um, I wanted it to be something that I, I wanted my kids to read, and they are totally uh, not into horror at all. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> they, uh, we, we fast forward. So my, my daughter's favorite movie is Moana. Oh, yeah. And we're always fast forwarding the uh, the lava monster at the end. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to tame it down. Like, she just gets so upset seeing you know, the scary part of the movie. Um, and so, uh, the, the book is dedicated to my kids, uh, because they liked scary stories, but not too scary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I needed that to be the, th- like the feeling of Skullcat was, you know, something scary is going to happen, but don't worry. It's not too scary. Um, I don't want to spoil the end of the book, but no. you know, there's that, there's that aspect of the vampires that. Oh, these are the classic vampires that you know and fear, but they're not as scary as you think, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and so, so yeah, I, I wanted it to, you know, um, be safe for my target audience. Um, and so there is, and I've added some humor and stuff in there, uh, to kind of soften the dark tones as well. Mm. But, which is funny, uh, my first drafts of Skullcat were super dark. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and, uh, you know, working with Top Shelf and my editor, uh, uh, he, he totally uh, helped me lighten it up a lot. Um, my, first, my first version was uh, the ghost uh, wants Scully to go kill the vampire. And he was like, that's just way too dark. Like, why is this, like, little kid going to go kill a vampire, you know? So, uh, so I had to adapt the story to make it not so, uh, so dark. Um, and the, the story I'm writing right now, again, my notes have been like, he's like, this is really dark. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to make this less dark. So I feel like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of like a, maybe a natural humor writer, mm. but I, I swing way too easily into this like dark realm that, uh.
0: That I got to, mm.
2: that I got to dial back, you
0: know. Yeah, you can you can definitely tell that sort of the the lines are there because through reading the whole thing, you never quite know where you stand. There's always some sort of twist and turn, and things aren't always things are always kind of slightly different to how you expect. So you can see that all the layers are there, but it's just just that bit fluffier for for the target audience. It's it's not quite yeah jumping in your face
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, I actually had the uh, the book ri- written and and I was drawing the book and uh, at the very final like battle at the end um, as I was drawing it I was like I'm making this fight scene really long I gotta cut it short because you know this is like for kids I like mm-hmm. one of my one of my favorite comics is uh, Dragon Ball uh, so really blown out long fight scenes. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I had to dial back my like sword battle in the end of this book. And so I had to find like a, an easy way for the good guy to overcome. And uh, so if you, you know, if you've read the book, you know, the, the moment where the good guy, you know, overcomes the villain in the set sword battle. Yeah. Uh, that was totally thought up uh, on the fly as I was drawing the book, and uh, because I shortened that fight scene, I had to like all of a sudden I had to um, hint at that moment earlier in the book. So I had to go back and mm. add uh, in add that add some of those uh, hints into earlier parts of the book and redraw some of those pages. Um, so it's not just you know a surprise at the end, right? I had to clue in the audience of what's going to happen. Um, yeah, so j- just another example of how I kind of saved my my young audience <laughs> from you know my natural tendencies, I guess. Yeah, and also a fun like you know behind the scenes moment where you know I had to change the story on the fly to you know satisfy um, a more important more important uh, goal.
0: Yeah. No, you made it work because that moment just seems no, so natural. And you just kind of, <laughs> yeah. when I read it, I was just laughed and went, yeah, that's, that seems right. <laughs> so you had, yeah. you had built it up correctly. It, it felt oh, natural. Thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it, and it probably wouldn't have felt as natural if I hadn't taken the time to mm. go and add in those hints at the beginning. Right. Yeah. But and that's like another, uh, Example of where like me being a single creator um, working on this book kind of allowed the story to kind of evolve as I'm working, right?
1: Because
2: in a a team setting, that story and script would have been nailed down and we wouldn't have been able to adapt Mm -hmm. it uh, while I'm drawing the book, right? Uh, Maybe we could have, but it would have been a lot more difficult to go back to a writer and say, hey, can you add some uh, moments? Because I feel like I need to cut this fight scene short. Uh, So we got a hint at something earlier on in the story.
0: Yeah, they would have loved that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) would have been a bigger deal, for sure, trying to get everyone to change everything. No, it absolutely worked. It's a lovely book. I really enjoyed reading it. Um, Thank you. You know, Obviously, you have a target audience, but I can attest that me, who is a little bit older than your target audience. I enjoyed it as well. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Well, I, I guess that's my hope, right? Like, yeah. uh, my target audience is like, I don't know, nine to 12 year olds, middle grade. Um, but I hope there's enough there that adults are going to enjoy it because uh, mm. you know, I want anyone to read it and enjoy it, uh, especially like uh, parents reading it with their kids. Mm. Um, I kind of think of the movie Shrek uh, that's like famous for. You know, a kid's movie, but there's enough like um adult humor in it that you know an adult's still going to watch it and enjoy it with their kids.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because if if a parent is reading the book to their kid, and the parent starts getting bored, it's no good oh, for yeah, anyone.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I can't tell me how I can't tell you how many times I've like changed a, a you know a a picture book while I'm reading it to my kids to like liven it up a little bit or (laughs) add some strange moment to make my kids go, what? But like make it more entertaining for myself. Mm. Yeah. That happens.
0: Yeah. So what's, what does the future hold for you and skullcap? Obviously you say you're working on the next book, but how do you, where do you foresee this? Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. I do want to make it like a, a series. Um, of graphic novels. Uh, My original goal was to like release a book every year. Um, This second book is proving to be difficult for me to nail down a script for. Uh, So I don't know if I'm going to hit that this time around, but uh, hopefully as I write more and more of these, I'll come more naturally to me. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm writing a second book right now. Um, I do have... Um, stories, story ideas for, um, many more books after this. Um, and Scully's going to go through like a story arc of, uh, how he becomes a hero. Um, so I guess my personal concept is, uh, you know, the, the book is titled Skullcat. Um, and that's kind of the, the name of the hero that he becomes in the future, So like, if you think of like Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man, you know, his, his comic book is called Spider-Man because that's Mm -hmm. the hero that he becomes. And, uh, you know, Scully becomes a hero named Skullcat and that's, you know, his masked Avenger hero name, I guess. But so he's going to go through that like arc, but I feel like Scully is the most entertaining when he's like, scaredy cat and he's tripping over himself and you know like accidentally saving the day and uh so that's gonna he's always gonna be that kind of blundering uh silly kid but um you know he develops that courageous side of himself as he uh you know tries to become more like his favorite comic book hero Hmm.
0: which is a story we can all relate to it's we like reading comic yeah. books and we like seeing the superhero, but then we look at ourselves and go, I'm just a blundering idiot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But we too could be yeah. the hero.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like like a hero like Superman um, would almost not be very fun to read if it wasn't for like the Clark Kent side of himself. That's like this, um, I don't know, kind of a yeah, blundering, like, Causes accidents and you know that kind of. I don't know. That, at least that's how I see mm. um, Clark Kent. But you know, that's the human side of Spider of Superman. Where if you if he was just like the this overpowered superhero with no weaknesses, like uh, that's harder for us to relate to. So mm. I'm glad that Clark Kent is still there. And and for for Scully, he's you know got that accidental scaredy cat side keeping him human.
0: So to move towards the end, i like to end with a nice big question where we save the world and everyone inside of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So for, like for if there's parents listening who, Uh you know, maybe wouldn't necessarily give a graphic novel to their kid, what would you say to people to try and convince them to give the book a go and to give the medium itself a go? And why, why, Graphic novels are definitely worth the time.
2: Sure. Um, I think there's two parts to that question. Um, I, I feel like uh, comic books have become something that's uh, for adults and kids. Um, you know, we've got stories for both. And especially if you go down the, like, indie comics hmm. uh, route, you'll find very adult-oriented material. Um so I, I do think that some parents might be scared to hand their kid a comic because if they haven't read it themselves, they may feel a little unsafe to hand it off to their child. And I actually had a conversation with my son's teacher uh, just last week um, because my son told his teacher that I have a comic book coming out. And my son was like, can we read it in class? And his teacher was like, you know, well, is it safe for me to read in class? And uh, you know, I, I tried to reassure him that, hey, it, you know, it, it's it's safe. Like, it's my target audience is, you know, this age group, hmm. and uh, but he said, you know, he was still like not convinced. Like, are you really sure it's safe? And uh, you know, not knowing his like, uh, you know, his moral, you know, standing or whatever. Um, I don't really know what he considers safe, but Mm. um, as a parent, you know, the safety of my reader is a big deal, right? Um, The safety of my children, like uh, creating this book for my kids, I kept them in mind while I wrote it and uh, I wanted, you know, the horror aspect I dumbed down on purpose because um, I wanted my kids not to be too scared to read my book. Right. And, uh, I just want, you know, as a message to parents, like the people creating books for your kids, uh, really take that, um, uh, seriously, you know, uh, as a comic book creator, I want parents and teachers to feel safe reading my work. Um, just as much as I want my kids to feel safe reading my work. And, uh, so, you know, like, I had a moment where in Skullcat, I was looking for an adjective that uh, communicated um, a character's like negative feelings towards another character. Um, And, you know, I, um, I on purpose, you know, used a pretty tame word, but, uh, you know, like avoiding, like I would never have used a swear word, but just as, like, an example, like, uh, I, I purposely tried to use tame language um, in that moment because I didn't want to, like, offend somebody with, like, overly strong language, right? Um, so, I, like, I'm sure other comic creators are on purpose, like, using language and visuals uh, that are safe for kids, you know, safe for their target audience, Um you know, we might slip in like a, a fart joke or here and there, you know, I'm thinking of like dog, man, you know, uh, as an example, but, you know, overall, like we're trying to teach, you know, good morals to kids and try and make the, the world, save the world as you put it, you know, (laughs) uh, one book at a time. Um, so there's that aspect. Um, the other aspect is like, I, I really feel like, uh, comics is a literary medium that should should be taken seriously, uh, especially, like, you know, by schools. And um, I know there's not as many words as, like, say, a a novel um, or a chapter book, but um, there's still lots of reading involved. Uh, Taking Calvin and Hobbes as an example, like, he uses a lot of words that I don't even know the definition for. (laughs) So, like uh kids are kids are gonna expand their vocabulary uh, with comics um, uh, you know just as much as a chapter book um, so there's there's that literary value there as well um, but you also get the the visual cues and the visual um, aspect as well so like if you've got a, a kid struggling to read a book because there's no pictures and they just can't they struggle to to read and focus on the the words in front of them. Um, comics, I think, makes it, makes it a little easier for them because there's that visual aspect that um, can communicate to that visual learner side mm. of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, and comics are just a fun, good time too. Uh, you know, lots of comics become movies and TV shows that, Kids nowadays are watching. Like I grew up reading comics, Ninja Turtle comics, and watching Ninja Turtle cartoons. Uh, nowadays, we've got like the Hilda series was made into a Netflix TV show. Um, that started out as a comic book. So, uh, you know, if if you want to get your kids off television, uh, limit limit their screen time. Uh, comic books is a really great way to to supplement that. You know. put put a book in front of their face. Um, They get used to reading, um, but they can enjoy their favorite characters that they've seen on TV. So um, that's another thing I love about comics. Uh, You can have that visual storytelling without batteries (laughs) and without a screen. (laughs) I'm on social media at Squid Mantis. So Squid, S-Q-U-I-D. Than mantis, M A N T I S, all one word. Squid mantis. Um, that's a lot shorter than Norman shirtlift So you can thank me for uh, for using a you know an artificial handle there. Um, but yeah, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm using all those platforms, um, and then I have a website, um which is kind of like the hub. So if you forget the Squid Mantis deal, you can go to my website and there's links to all that stuff uh, from my website. Um, As as well as links to my books and uh, I have like little blurbs about each book on my website so if you want to learn more or see some sample artwork, um, my website's a good way to do that.
0: Skullcat and the Curious Castle is available now from all good bookshops. I've put all the links in the show notes. As always, if you want to hear more from the show, head to superdummy.co.uk slash geek. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.